listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. Uh, my guest on today's podcast, Junie, joining me on a Sunday afternoon um, from his home in Arizona is my friend Cole Connor. Welcome to the podcast, Cole. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me. I really am so grateful to be here. And Cole spells his name with C, so don't put K's in there on Connor or Cole. <laughs> this is Cole Connor with C on both names. Yes. Cole is age 22 and is going to share his story of of his journey um, with the sexual orientation. Cole identifies as straight. Um, that hasn't, hasn't always been how Cole is gener- has identified. And he's going to share that journey. Um, every story is different. And this is a platform that honors all stories. And uh, this, like all stories, will probably be unique and have some principles and perspective that help us learn and grow and how to better support each other. Cole will talk about a couple of times leaving the church and coming back to the church and why he is in the church and his hopes for the future. He hopes to marry a woman. He'd love to, um, he's in the process of writing a book. He'd love to go to BYU. So he just has this bright life ahead of him. He's been through the temple and it's just in a wonderful spot. Has a great relationship with his parents, with his bishop. And I'm just honored that Cole would come on the podcast and bravely share his story. I think this is the first time He's sharing it um, broadly, and that takes courage. My heart kind of goes out to anybody that gets so vulnerable and talks about their life. And so is that okay for an introduction, Cole? Yes, that's perfect. Okay, we will turn it over to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Really, for for anyone that's listening, um, you know, I just want you to know that your Heavenly Father loves you no matter what. And he knows you with a perfect knowledge. And what I'm going to share today is what I've experienced. And, but this, everyone's experience is different. And so I in no way want you to compare yourself to me um, or feel in any way that listening to me in terms of where you're at, that you're somehow wrong because you're not wherever you're at. It's perfect and it's beautiful. And, your Heavenly Father and your Savior again know you and will guide you in the direction that they would have you go. So anyways, I hope that the Spirit can, wherever you are and wherever you're at in your life, that something that I say today will touch you. Um, so this really started in 2014. It was my freshman year of high school. And um, I experienced a lot of bullying when I was younger, um, which I feel we've all experienced at one point in our lives. And um, I feel like everyone can relate to that. Um, but, you know, kids were just mean. And um, it was at this point that I, you know, was starting to realize that there was something different about me. Um, I've been raised in the church pretty much my whole life. My parents are converts um, to the church. Um, I had the beautiful opportunity to be sealed to them. For time in all eternity, which was beautiful. And I was baptized at age eight. And um, so pretty much my whole life I've known, I've known the church and um, have been raised in it. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel a lot of the morals and values that I have are because I was raised in the church. Um, and even the couple times that I left, um, I continue to carry those morals and values with me, um, which determined a lot of the choices that I made. Um, But, right, it it started in 
in high school. Um, you know, kids would call me names. They would call me, you know, gay, queer, you know, just all of the labels. And, and I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Um, but I, you know, I would, I would deny the, the labels that they would, that they would put on me. And, um, I just didn't quite understand why they were being so mean and why they would, why they would call me those things. And again, I didn't have really a knowledge of what those things meant. Um, but, uh, anywho, um, this was, this was around the time that I started to realize, you know, my same sex attraction and, and what that felt like. And, um, I don't really know how to go about it. Um, but anywho, right. I was just, I didn't quite understand why kids were, were picking on me so much and why they kept calling me these things and, um, just sort of putting me into the stereotype and I, I didn't quite understand. Um, and, you know, I experienced bullying from all different aspects. Um, and it was really hard. Um, you know, I didn't like going to school. I, I didn't fit in very much with, with many kids just because of the bullying. And I mainly just kept to myself. Um, but, you know, there, there were times when my testimony would be tested, um, you know, whether it was from the bullying or, or from other things. And I just, I just, I knew that there was this feeling inside of me that was different, um, that I hadn't really ever experienced before. Um, but looking back, you know, throughout pretty much my whole life being raised in the church, I could tell there were certain points when I did have these feelings. Um, you know, they would just come suddenly. Um, but again, I, I didn't really know what any of it meant. And so I never really thought about it or gave attention to it. But this was really the first time that I um, truly felt these feelings and, you know, did some research for myself. I, you know, these kids were calling me these things. And so I decided for myself that I was going to figure out what it really meant. And when I figured out the essence and the definition behind these things that these kids were calling me, I kind of just, I put two and two together and, and I realized, you know, I do, I do feel this way. And, you know, I was scared. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know what to say. And for many, many years, I, I didn't say anything. I kept it to myself. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody that I went to church with. Um, you know, no one knew. I really just kept it to myself. Um, you know, I sort of just forgot about it and I moved on. Um, but in 2017 um, is when I really decided that it was time for me to be honest with myself. Um, and so I, I came up to my mom first. Um, me and my mom have always had a very special relationship. I feel, <laughs> I feel a lot of people can relate to that. Mothers are just so tender and, and just know us better than we know ourselves and you know I kind of relate my mother to the savior where she somehow knows me better than I know myself and just knew and could feel of the struggles that I was having and so I came out to her first and and then eventually I came out to my dad and that was a little more difficult you know because I, I didn't I didn't want to disappoint them you know my parents my parents' opinions and validation and um, approval of the things that I do in life is very important to me. Um, and so saying this to them and being this honest and vulnerable for the first time was really scary. Um, but really, I, all I experienced was love and um, just come, it brought our family together in a way um, that it's just so special. Um, we really came together in strength and in love and just rely, relied on the Lord for, 
for that strength and that spirit to guide us wherever he would, and especially me. Um, and they just supported me in, in whatever my journey looked like. And, you know, they they have just been such a big support system up until this point. They always have. Obviously, you know, there have been times when it's been really difficult for both myself and my parents, um, especially leaving the church twice. Um, where our faith has been tested, um, but ultimately it really has brought our family together and has created this bond that we didn't have before. Um, and I also told my bishop as well. My bishop was was great, and we um, we were in Utah at this point. Um, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, um, and then we moved to Utah around 2016. So this was this was all in Utah. This all happened in Utah. Um, so yeah, I told my bishop I was honest with him just because I felt like he deserved to know as well. Um, I hadn't acted on anything. I just felt like being honest with him, um, just it felt right. Um, and being honest with him, again, he was very loving as well, very accepting. Um, you know, he wasn't judgmental whatsoever, which really was a big comfort to me as well. Because um, I looked up to him in a lot of ways. Um, so I told my bishop, I, I told my parents, and and that was really about it. And I just continued to move forward. And I just said, you know, I know that I have these feelings, but I'm not going to let it define me or the choices that I make in my life. Um, I'm still committed to the church. I still love my Savior and my Heavenly Father. And, you know, I still have the desire to go on a mission and pursue further education. And I I really didn't allow it to affect anything. I just felt better now that I was honest about it and wasn't battling it alone. Um, But there, there came a point when my testimony started to be tested and tried. Um, And I knew that this was the adversary, you know, working, working on me and working on my weaknesses and, and the, you know, the struggles that I was having. And um, I started to feel you know, every Sunday I would go to church and I would just sit in the pew and me and my family always sit in the front row. So we're like right in front of the bishopric. And we just have always done that since we joined the church. We've always sat in the front row. And just every time I would go to church, I just felt this judgment, just this darkness that I couldn't shake. And no one had said anything to me. No one judged me. It was really just me giving into these false ideas and these just lies that were being fed to me from the adversary, from this darkness. And I slowly started started to feel it overcome me and my judgments and the choices I was making. And I just, I became angry towards the church and, um, you know, just with the standards that the church has for members with same-sex attraction, you know, a temple marriage has always been something that's been so, so important to me. Um, I've always just loved the idea of having an eternal family. And that's what I've always pictured for myself. But having the feelings that I that I have and that I did, um, realizing that I wouldn't be able to marry a man in the temple really broke my heart. Um, and so that's really what the adversary was leading on was, you know, he knew that this was important to me. And so was using that as his tool to break down my spirit, to create this anger within me towards the church that hadn't done anything to me. Um, And so anyways, I was just feeling really angry and was just having a lot of internal conflicts. And my feelings of separating myself from the church started to grow stronger and stronger. And to the point where I eventually made the decision um, in 2018, um, I just turned 18 years old. This was around December. 
um, I decided to leave the church and to go out and live that life and, and ex- have experiences and, and essentially act on the feelings that I was having once and for all and to no longer question, but actually experience what it would be like to live that life. Um, and again, I, I had been raised in the church, so I had no idea what to expect. This was really my first time going out into the world and, and living this life. But I just became so angry that I just realized that I couldn't, I could, I could no longer stay in the church for myself. I, that's the decision that I made. And it was really hard for my family. I think that was the hardest thing for me is watching my parents. Just, you know, the disappointment that they had um, was really hard. But I knew I had to do this for myself. Um, and so I, I left the church and um, I decided to go out and live this life. And um, at the very beginning of my journey out in the world, um, you know, with social media, um, there's so much influence there and it can serve as a source of light and a source of joy. And I know that the Lord uses social media in a lot of amazing ways to reach out to people, um, especially in the church. Um, but for me, I was using it negatively and I um, was just seeing all these things online and followed a lot of influencers and um, people that had you know, different points of view than I'd ever experienced. And I was just seeing all these things. And um, I at the very beginning of my journey out in the world, um, I started to have issues with my gender identity. I was becoming conflicted with who I um, identified as um, gender-wise. I started to feel that being challenged as well. So I not only was experiencing same-sex attraction, I was now experiencing um, feelings of, you know, I felt as if I was a woman inside a man's body. And... um, these feelings that I was having were very real and um, they were just, it was intense. And I know it was because I was being influenced by social media and by the things that I was seeing and, and comparing myself to other people and trying to figure out how I was going to show up in this community and this, in this new world that I didn't know about. And so um, eventually I, um, I felt I needed to come out as transgender to my parents um, and so I came out to them for a second time um, as transgender. I said, you know, I, I, I feel as if I'm a woman inside a man's body. I'm, I'm really conflicted. And every time I would look at myself in the mirror, I just didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't know the person that I was seeing. Like I was just very conflicted. And again, with social media and everything, I just, I felt so strongly that this is who I was. Um, and I was just identifying with this so much. And at this point, you know, we had sought out a therapist that specialized in, um, you know, dealing with, you know, transgender patients as well as patients with same-sex attraction. Um, and actually, I it's called Encircle. It's, it's in Utah. They have several different locations. Um, but that's where I started to go for therapy um, on a regular basis. Um, but at this point, you know, I... I was really sticking to the idea that I was a woman inside a man's body and I, and I wanted to start hormone replacement therapy and I wanted to do it all. I wanted to change my gender and um, just, you know, live my life in that way. And I, that's, that's what I was sticking to. I was convinced that that's who I was. Um, and again, I just, this whole time, it was just this darkness that I was feeling influencing all these choices that I was making. Um, I know it was just 
the adversary working within me to confuse me and to um, break down my spirit and to get me as far away from my Heavenly Father and my Savior as possible. And he, he had done just that. Um, you know, it was at this point, you know, with all the confusion that I was feeling inside, um, I, I was, I started to have suicidal thoughts. I, you know, I had, I had thoughts of ending my life. I was just having a super hard time with these conflicting thoughts inside that I'd never had before. And I just really didn't know how to feel. Um, and so I, you know, I told my parents about this. They were aware of the suicidal thoughts that I was having. You know, I was self-harming myself and, um, you know, I, I was just coming up with a plan on how I could, on how I could end my life. And, and every day I would just wake up and just pray that I wouldn't wake up the next day. Like that's how much pain I was in and how much I just wanted to escape all of that. And I, I mean, I ended up sleeping on my parents' floor for four months. Um, I couldn't be left alone. I at one point thought that I would have to, you know, go to a psychiatric facility and stay there for a while. It was really, it was really, really bad. It was very intense. Uh, This was really the lowest point I've ever been in my life. And it was because of these conflicting thoughts and because I separated myself so much from my savior and my heavenly father that I was just surrounded by this darkness. Um, So anyways, um, so that was more towards the beginning of my experience out in the world. Um, but you know, eventually I, I rose out of my depression and my suicidal thoughts and I was able to sort of move past that as I continued to attend therapy on a regular basis and sort of start to figure out the feelings I was having, um, and, you know, organizing them and, you know, making them make sense to me as, you know, me as well as my family were educating ourselves. Um, I feel like, you know, educating yourself as much as possible is, is very important when it comes to having these feelings because they are foreign and especially being raised in the church, I had no idea what to do. And my parents didn't either. They had no, they weren't expecting any of this. And so we needed to educate ourselves in order for it to not be so scary, but to more, you know, come to know it and how to go about it. Um, And so I, you know, I started to show up in the world as what I thought a woman looked like. You know, I, I put on the clothes. I did I did everything. You know, I went out as what I thought a woman looked like in my perspective. And I started to live my life in that way. Um, but, you know, after a while, I just, I sort of realized, like, this wasn't who I was. It just didn't feel right. Um, but again, I had to have that experience in order to be able to move past it. So that lasted for about six months. Um, and uh, this is now we're in 2019. So that that experience that I just shared, that was pretty much uh, end of 2018, beginning of 2019. So now we're in 2019 and um, you know, I'm still out in the world, you know, experiencing these things. I decide that, you know, I'm not transgender. I'm you know, I am a man, like that is who I am. Um, so I was able to move past those feelings. Um, but, you know, I was still out in the world making choices um, based on what I thought a gay man was supposed to be and looked like and acted like. Um, so now a lot of my choices were based on, you know, comparing myself to others um, and, you know, what I, you know, sort of molding myself into the stereotype that a lot of people see today and um 
and just what was around me in that environment and in that world. Um, again, you know, there were just, there were so many things happening. And, and again, it was a world that I had never experienced before. So I was still just working my way through it, trying to find out, you know, who am I and how do I show up in this world that I've never experienced before? And, um, and I really felt as if this was going to be where my happiness was. I, you know, I felt leaving the church and immersing myself into this life and no longer holding these feelings inside of me, um, being able to be free to be who I am. It would, that would be where my happiness would be. Um, but, you know, I quickly realized that that's not where my happiness was. And I just, again, you know, I, I had this feeling inside and I know it was the Holy Ghost, you know, telling me, you know, this isn't where you're supposed to be, but I didn't listen to it. Um, just cause I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't giving into that thought. I, um, I just, I, I didn't find belonging in the church. Um, and I was quickly realizing I wasn't finding belonging in this community either, a community that I thought was going to be accepting of me and my feelings and, um, you know, who I was and what I was experiencing at the time. Um, you know, finding love and acceptance, I feel, is something I've always been striving for my whole life, especially experiencing bowling at a young age. And now into my adulthood, being out in the world and having these experiences, I felt like I was always chasing after that 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 love and that acceptance from just one person. I just felt like I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting any of that in return. Um, and I've, I've always been a very, a very committal person. Um, you know, and that's, that is based on, um, a lot of me being raised in the church. You know, I, I wanted a relationship. I wanted love. I wanted acceptance. I wanted a relationship. I wanted a partnership. Um, and I was trying to make that work, but, you know, I quickly realized that, in that community, um, with the experiences that I was having, um, and the people that were around me, I just I wasn't finding what I was looking for, um, and I felt like that was a big part that was missing from my life, um, was just finding that acceptance, and that belonging, and that love within someone else, um, and just even people in general, just friends. Um, and at this point, I really was very much separated from my parents at this point. I didn't really share anything with them. I didn't tell them anything. Um, our, our relationships just sort of drifted apart. Um, and I was just really immersed in this world, very separated from them and just didn't open up to them anymore. I was very closed off. Um, and I, and I really, I lost myself and I lost my spirit and that that light that was within me at one point, I just felt like I totally lost it. And, you know, I had, been in relationships and um, had had those experiences. You know, I had, you know, there were relationships that I was in that were physically and mentally abusive. Um, and I had those experiences as well. Um, and anyways, um, so this was 2019. Um, we were quickly going into 2020, the pandemic and and everything shut down. And so it was at this point where I was I was starting to feel conflicted again. And um, just from all the experiences that I had, you know, pretty much over the last year and a half, two years, um, you know, going out into the world, leaving the church, um, really giving into my feelings and my thoughts that I was having, um, you know, from having, you know, been confused about my gender identity and um, what that looked like as well. Just all the experiences I had had up until this point. Um, really hit me at once. And this was the second time that I had fallen into uh, 
the spiral of suicidal thoughts and self-harm and um, attempting to end my life. Um, and just, again, feeling this darkness and this despair and just feeling really, um, just feeling tired and just feeling um, just downtrodden and um, just sort of burnt out and just really confused as to like where I belonged and where, where I was meant to be. Um, you know, I hadn't found it in the church and I hadn't found it out in this community. So like, where do I belong? And again, like I said, we were now in the pandemic and everything shut down. So I didn't have work to distract me. I didn't have social life to distract me. Everything just sort of came to a halt. And that is why I started to have these suicidal thoughts again. And, um, again, I was just in this really dark place and I had to again, sleep on my parents' floor for six months because I just couldn't be alone. And, um, you know, I felt like this was, I felt like this was a little more worse than before the uh, the first time I'd had, you know, these thoughts. Um, But I started to attend therapy again, um, just to sort of get myself in check and, and have someone to go to, um, to voice these thoughts and these opinions to um, someone that wasn't my parents. Um, just another person that was biased, didn't really know a lot about me, but just someone that I could go to to voice these things about um, and just sort of let them go and work through them. Um, and just to, again, gain clarification as to what I should do with my life and where I should go. Um, and I just I just started a new job. It was, um, this was towards the end of 2020. Um, I had, you know, risen out of my, um, my depression and, and my suicidal episode, um, after, you know, attending therapy for quite some time and, um, and just sort of just organizing my thoughts and and coming to a place where I felt a little more balanced. And so I, I started a new job and again, we were still in Utah at this point. And, um, I was starting to have thoughts about, my spiritual center again. And I just felt that there was something missing from that life that I was living, not finding the love and the belonging and the acceptance and the relationship that I wanted, um, but just also feeling like that spiritual center was missing as well. Um, My dad always has this saying that he's always told me throughout my whole life and it served him as he was coming back to the church. Um, you You can take the boy out of the church, but you can't take the church out of the boy. And so that was exactly what I was experiencing was the church and that spirit still being within me, even though I had separated myself so much from, from it and from the light. And so I felt that door opening back up again. And I was just starting to, you know, ask myself these questions of, you know, what does that look like for me? You know, I still held a lot of anger towards the church, but I said, you know, I need to, I need to have some sort of spiritual center with my heavenly father and my savior. You know, I do, I do miss missed that aspect of my life. I just didn't quite know how to go about it with these feelings that I was having, knowing that they were contra- they were contradicting my beliefs um, or the beliefs of the church. And so, right, I start this new job and, and I meet, I meet a very special person that, that served a big part of my, of my journey. And, and we, we, we quickly became fast friends and um, they had asked me one night, they, they asked me, you know, I'm, I'm going to go walk the temple grounds. Do you want to come with me? And this was, this was like an evening after work. And so I said, sure. I, I saw no harm in it. Um, I felt like this could be a good opportunity for me to be in a spiritual place again. And so me and her, we went and walked the temple grounds together. And I found myself sharing my story with her, my full, 
my full story just from the very beginning up until that point. Um, and so I, um, we were walking the temple grounds and I just, I just felt this overwhelming spirit come, just come before me. And I just felt it in my heart. Um, you know, welcome home. I, that's what I heard. Just welcome home, welcome back. And I just knew that in that moment, that's exactly where I was supposed to be. And I knew that the savior was walking me back and was planting those seeds into my brain, you know, of, you know, missing my spiritual center, wanting to have a relationship with him again, desiring that striving for that. And so from that point on, I, I left the life that I had been living for the past two years and came back to church and, um, I was going through the repentance process with my bishop. I started attending my local YSA. Um, I eventually took out my endowments. I knew that that was something that I wanted to do and that I strived for. So I took out my endowments and that was a beautiful experience. My family was there. My bishop was there. My loved ones were there to experience that with me. Um, I had a calling in the temple. I worked in the baptistry. I served in the temple on a weekly basis, like three times a week. And that was an amazing experience. Um, and I just was at a spiritual high and I just really felt the windows of heaven open before me and um, was just having all these amazing experiences. Um, but it really stemmed from going to the temple with my friend that night and and having that personal conversion for the first time. I felt like I had always relied on my parents' testimony, but I didn't really have one of my own. So I felt like for the first time I was really developing that. But there was still something inside of me that was identifying with my same-sex attraction and wasn't done with that. And I've, I've again, felt this darkness. I mean, uh, four or five months passed by since that day at the temple, since I'd been going to church and, and had my temple calling and took out my endowments. It had been about four or five months. And I just, again, felt this darkness. I felt the adversary tempting me once again, trying to break down my spirit and my testimony. And um, it was just those thoughts that kept creeping into my brain. You know, if you're making the wrong choice, you're doing the wrong thing, you're not being true to who you are. Um, you're living a lie. Like I was experiencing all of those things. And um, I was experiencing temptations. You know, they were coming into my path slowly and um, with the influences of other people and just different things. And um, I was being tested again. And um, for the second time, I, I decided that I needed to leave the church again. So right after having all of those really amazing spiritual profound moments, I sort of just gave all of that up and just very easily left again and just stepped back into old habits. Like there had never been a break in between. And I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. I just stopped attending church. I stopped going to the temple. I stopped doing those things that I was doing. And um, I just, I fell off course um, just because I felt like, you know, I am living a lie. Um, I can't be in a place where I can't be with, where I can't be with who I want to be with, can't love who I love. I can't, I can't participate in that. Um, you know, again, I, those, those angry feelings were still there. Um, and so I felt like that's where it stemmed from. I, again, I wasn't, I wasn't moved on from those, from those thoughts. Um, and so, yeah, I, I left the church again and, um, I just quickly just, started back into all the decisions that I'd been making and hanging out with the wrong people and just making poor decisions based on this dark place that I was in. And um, again, I felt like, you know, okay, this time it's going to work. This time I'm going to 
find happiness. You know, I felt like coming back to the church, um, that's where I was going to find my happiness. Um, you know, cause I hadn't experienced it clearly in this life that I had been living. Um, but again, I allowed those thoughts to creep in and allowed the darkness to control me. And so I felt like, okay, I'm going to give it a second try. This is going to work this time. Um, and so I was making decisions that I thought would make me happy. Um, you know, I, I just felt like this time, you know, things were going to be different, but I quickly realized that it wasn't any different. It was the exact same. I wasn't finding love acceptance. Um, you know, I just felt like, I just felt like all people wanted from me was, was nobody wanted anything deep. Nobody wanted to commit. Nobody wanted to, um, you know, get to know me on, on a deeper level. Like I said, I, you know, that's, that's what I was striving for was to find, you know, that, that relationship, that, that, that communication, that companionship, um, that partnership, you know, that love, I, you know, I, I was, I was striving to find that, um, you know, in this place and was just quickly realizing that I wasn't finding that. And, um, and so again, I was just feeling very lost, feeling very defeated. And I just was, was tired of the life that I was living because I just quickly realized like there, you know, I, I'm not finding what I'm looking for, what's happening. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing, doing what's, what's right by me. And I feel like I'm, you know, making these decisions that I, I thought were going to make me happy, but they're not. And I, I was just very confused and again, just felt very defeated, felt very lost. And, um, at this point I had, I had moved to Southern California with my, with my grandparents for a few months. Um, you know, this was sort of the last, last experience for me that I thought was going to make me happy. I'd always wanted to live in Southern California. I, that's where my mom's from and I have a lot of family there. Um, this was, this was the end of last year. This was, this was 2022. Um, this was around October of 2022. Um, and you know, I felt like, okay, this, you know, this decision, this is going to be where my happiness is. And, um, and so I, I was in Southern California for a few months and, um, some things happened. Um, but my, you know, I called my parents and I was sharing, you know, so some of the struggles that I was having and, um, you know, and at this point they had accepted the fact that I, you know, was living this life and that it wasn't going to be any different and that, um, you know, they just, they sort of came to accept it for what it was. Um, and so I just called them and, you know, I was just sharing with them the struggles that I was having and, you know, just several different things were happening. And I was just, again, feeling very defeated, feeling very lost, feeling very confused. And, um, my dad told me, he said, well, why don't you pray about it? And I was like, what do you mean? Why don't, <laughs> why would I pray about it? Like, I was just, I was questioning his, his advice and cause I hadn't prayed for, again, you know, I left the church beginning of 2021. It's now the end of 2022. Um, so again, another two years had gone by since I had all of those, you know, super spiritual experiences and I hadn't prayed since then. And I had, again, you know, distanced myself from the spirit. Um, but, you know, I said, you know, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll pray about the things I'm struggling with. You know, what, what do I have to lose? And, um, and again, I was, it was around this time that I was having the thoughts of, you know, something's missing from my life. Um, there's, 
there's an important piece of my life that's missing. I just don't quite know what it is. And so his invitation for me to pray was the door that needed to be opened for me to feel the spirit again. And so I got on my knees and I prayed to my heavenly father and I just asked him, I said, you know, I'm tired and I just, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm confused. I have allowed myself to identify with these feelings for so long. And this isn't where my happiness is. I haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm unsatisfied. I don't feel the spirit. I'm consumed with darkness all the time. The people that I hang out with are also consumed with that darkness. And I just don't feel uplifted whatsoever. Like, please help me. And um, I just felt the desire to move back to Arizona with my parents and to escape and get out of the situation that I was in. And so I eventually moved back to Arizona with my family. They had, um, we had moved out to Arizona last year, um, September of last year. So they had made the move to Arizona. Um, so we were no longer in Utah. Um, so I made the move back to Arizona from California with my parents and, um, I remember this was the last experience that I that I had, um, just sort of out in the world and and making the decisions I was making. This was in, this was just recent. This was February of this year. This was just like four months ago. Um, I right moving back to Arizona. I didn't I didn't have any friends and I didn't know anyone, and so I decided to go out one night and go explore and meet some people and and you know just sort of see what was going on. And so I went out that night. Um, I went to I went to a bar and I was sitting there. I, I was alone. I went by myself. I wasn't with anyone else, and I was alone. And I was just sitting there, and um, I was just people watching. And this, I was just looking out, and I was just like, "I'm so tired of this life. Like I am so. This is so unfulfilling to me. Like I am just like." nothing about this I want in any way. Like, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I I just, again, felt the Holy Ghost impress upon me. Like, this is not where you're supposed to be. You need to get out. And so um, I, didn't, I didn't follow my promptings immediately. I sort of, I gave it more time and I finished out the night and I'd met a couple people and anyways, um, but that, that pivotal moment there, you know, sitting there alone, just looking out and just realizing like, you know, I, this life has nothing to give me anymore. Like I, I, I have received nothing that I've been looking for. Um, I don't feel the spirit whatsoever. Like I, I'm just, I'm tired. Like that's really all I can say is I was just tired of the endless cycle and just, you know, feeling like, you know, this is where I was going to find my happiness and just, um, just feeling disappointed and discouraged and looking for happiness in the places where it didn't exist and it wasn't going to exist ever. And so the next day, uh, this was Friday night, Saturday, I'm in my home with my parents. I'm talking to them about the night before and my experience. And just out of nowhere, I feel this presence of the spirit come into me. And I just, I start talking about all my spiritual desires um, they just all come back to the surface like they'd never left. Um, and it, it had been, again, a couple of years since I had, you know, talked about these things or even thought about them. Um, I, I just started talking about how much I wanted an eternal marriage, how much I wanted an eternal family, how much I wanted natural born children, 
um, you know, how much I wanted my priesthood back, how much, how badly I wanted to be back in the temple, how much I missed going to church. Like I just started saying all these things and it was very emotional. Um, but I just really felt the spirit come back to me again for the first time and what felt like an eternity. And again, I just felt him tell me, you know, welcome home, welcome back. <laughs> and so that again where it stemmed from was when i prayed for the first time when my dad asked me to pray and when i prayed for the first time that's where the door was opened and um you know the savior knew that i was open to receiving these these things and this knowledge again um and just remembering all the spiritual desires that i had once before and and so i decided for myself that i'm you know, that I needed to close that chapter once and for all and close that door of my life and, and no longer, you know, go back and have those experiences. Like I, I hadn't done it just once. I'd done it twice. I'd left the church twice. I had come back to the church twice. And, um, you know, I, I realized that my happiness didn't exist in the world and it didn't exist, um, acting on my same sex attraction or identifying with that in any way. Um, and so I, I closed that chapter of my life and I decided that I was committed to my savior and my heavenly father and centering my life on them. And, um, I just quickly started going back to church and, um, I was in my family ward and I was going through the repentance process with my bishop. Um, but this time it was different. And this is where I want to share really the important message of this whole thing. Um, I came to know my spiritual identity. That's what I wasn't aware of or in tune with when I had left twice and, and was feeling conflicted and feeling lost and um, just feeling super discouraged. Um, I was continuously identifying with my same-sex attraction, with these feelings that I was having. And um, again, for the first time, I realized that my spirit is not, my spirit doesn't have same-sex attraction. Um, my spirit doesn't identify with those feelings. My natural man does. My natural man has those feelings. And this is something that I've been given so that I can serve others as I'm doing today. Um, I know that if I hadn't gone through the experiences I've gone through, I wouldn't have the story and the testimony that I have today. Um, but having that knowledge of, you know, my, I, my heavenly father sent me here for a specific purpose with a specific identity. I am a spirit son of God. Um, I'm a future father. I am a priesthood holder. I hold a temple recommend. Um, I'm a proud member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is who I am. I am not these feelings. And when I came to realize that for the first time, everything changed. And I was quickly able to separate myself from all those feelings that I was having and all of that confusion, and I was able to let it go. Um, and I was able to take the power away from it and take the power away from the adversary and, and you know, tell him, no, I know who I am. My Heavenly Father has shown it to me, has impressed upon my heart and my mind who I am, and you will not break me down again. Um, and so, but that's where the shift was made for me. And that's the, that's just like the important piece to all of this that has really saved my life and changed my life um, and has strengthened my testimony is knowing my divine purpose and my divine identity. And I know that for a lot of people, this is the hardest thing is finding who you are. Um, you know, is what I'm feeling real? Um, 
And especially, you know, if you have been raised in the church, um, you know, feeling these, having these feelings and just not entirely sure knowing what to do with them or what direction to go. Um, it's knowing who you are and knowing your purpose here and finding that through your heavenly father and your savior that changes everything. Um, and so, so yeah, that, that, that was the, that was the shifting point for me in my life. Um, and I've had a lot of really deep personal revelation. I mean, I've seen my children, my children have been revealed unto me. I know what they look like. I've felt their spirit. Um, you know, my, my heavenly father and my savior have, have shared with me my divine purpose and my, my divine identity on this earth and what I meant to accomplish and what I meant to achieve. And one of those, one of my biggest purposes here on earth is to take the experiences I've had and to use it to, um, do the work of my heavenly father and my savior and to continue to be a servant unto them and to share this with, with those people that need to hear it and that those people will come into my life that are meant to hear it. Um, and that they'll be open to hearing it, um, and that it will change lives. Um, and so again, I, you know, for a long time, I held a lot of guilt because I was ashamed of the decisions that I made and the choices that I allowed myself to make and that I allowed the darkness to control my life. But if it wasn't for the darkness, I wouldn't have the light that I do in my life today. Um, and I, I've gone through the repentance process again, and um, I'm attending my YSA on a regular basis, and I have an amazing relationship with my family. Um, I've gone through the temple again um, to hear those covenants and those promises again. Um, and yeah, I, I've submitted my application to BYU-Idaho for the fall. Um, I'm currently in the process of um, interviewing with uh, for the strength of youth or FSY uh, for this next summer. And um, I'm currently preparing to hopefully serve a full-time mission as well. Um, but, but yeah, so that where I'm currently at in my life is um, it's just been amazing. And um, I'm currently writing a book as well. Um, it's, it's a work in progress. The spirit is directing me and guiding me to write down what he, what he would have me write as he, as he would in his timing. Um, but I will eventually come up with a book about my life and my experiences. Um, but, but again, for anyone listening, um, I hope that what I've shared today has impacted you in some way, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, I can tell you that you're not defined by it. It does not identify you. Your heavenly father and your savior know you and love you and want you to come unto them and rely on them for that strength and that comfort. Um, even if you have left the church, you can still have a relationship with your heavenly father and your savior regardless. Um, and they will continue to allow you to feel the love that they have for you because their love is for everyone, no matter where you're at or what you're going through. Um, and I promise you that this too shall pass. I am a living example of it. Um, and I just, I feel so loved and, um, know that, know that I'm of divine worth and that my heavenly father and my savior love me so much and 
and that I will, I will always have their spirit to be with me. Um, and so, so that's my experience <laughs> and that's my story. And I appreciate again, you Richard for allowing me to come here and to share my experiences today. Um, and again, I just, I pray for all of you that are listening, that you feel the love that your heavenly father and your savior have for you, um, and to not turn away from them and to, to ask with a sincere heart, what they would have you do and who you are in their eyes. Because I, I promise you that when you, when you see that and when you feel that, and when you come to know what that is, everything changes. Um, so yeah, I just, I have such a strong testimony of this gospel and um, of the work that's done inside temples and of the reason why we go through what we go through and the trials that we have. Um, we all have different trials. We all have different struggles, but we all have those things for a specific reason. And it all ties back to, you know, our divine nature and our divine identity and our divine purpose. And I'm so blessed and grateful to know that and to be a member of this church and to have made the decision to come back. Um, but again, not everyone's journey looks like this. Um, I am just simply sharing my experiences and what I know to be true. Um, but I, I have such a deep love and gratitude for everyone listening. And, um, and yeah, I hope that you can take something from, from what I've shared today. So thank you so much. Cole, that was terrific. You, you have a powerful story and a gift of clearly communicating that. Um, you didn't rush. You were very thoughtful. You were very vulnerable. You are very honest. Um, but the principles you shared and the story you share will help everybody, um, regardless of what road they're on. So you're a young guy at 22 and have experienced a lot. <laughs> Yes, and your ability to help others, um, I you know I think you'd be a terrific FSY um, counselor because you know atonement for you is not theoretical. You know it. You know the love of God is not just sort of theoretical for you. You know God loves you and will be with you at all times in your life. You've gone through really. It's your ability to help people and connect people to the love of God, the atonement you know, is enhanced because your life experiences. Listeners, neither Cole or I are inviting you to leave the church or have um, experiences that are sin-related, but there's something that's refining about mortality when you can get through those things. I've wondered if, you know, the prodigal, when he came back, and we're all kind of the prodigals at times when we're in that faraway land and we kind of realize we don't want to be there anymore. And that Father, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, when He reaches us, you know, He runs to us, and there's no shame there. It's just there's a ring on your finger and a coat on your back that signifies you come back as a son or a daughter. And He might have a conversation. What instead of shaming conversation? Why did you leave? You know, what were you thinking? He might say, "What did you learn?" Um, and you learned a lot about yourself. It's not inviting us to go into the faraway land, but I think part of mortality is, what did you learn? Yes. And, what, and what can you do as you move forward in your life from that experience? The atonement will make you clean, but some of the things you learn will be with you and aren't meant to be wiped out um, in the repentance process. 
I wrote down a, a bunch of things, listeners, and I'll just plow through these because I want to give Cole. Um, I love what you said about your mom and that she role modeled the Savior for you. I love that you kind of recognize sometimes you made decisions out of anger. And um, I think that's just honest. And so I think I invite people to make really thoughtful, intentional decisions. And if you're angry at the church, that can be a legitimate emotion that you feel, but go slow on what you're going to do with that anger. Often pain is the primary emotion that leads to anger, but I invite people to go slow, um, stay connected to God, don't make rash decisions out of anger. Um, I love this phrase you used, once you were connected to the LGBT communities, I needed to show up in this new community. And maybe that was part of the story of you having this six-month experience being feeling you're trans. And, and just now you're trying to belong in this new community and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, listeners, when I t- this is kind of a tangent, but uh, when I... If anybody's feeling um, gender dysphoria, I've always taught like the iceberg concept that a therapist taught me is um, you need to get to the bottom of the iceberg and decide if that's long-term sustained gender dysphoria. Um, And if it is, then that needs to be dealt with. But if it's something different at the bottom of the iceberg, it sounds like long-term gender dysphoria was not at the bottom of your iceberg. No. Um, and so, no. and you got through that and you, you even almost said, maybe I needed to move through that to understand. So if you're feeling gender dysphoria, my invitation is go slow um, and really be intentional and thoughtful. Don't let other people sort of say, this is what you should do if you feel gender dysphoria. If you're not feeling complete, sometimes it's belonging you're looking for and the need to belong, the need to feel loved that we all have as, as humans. And sometimes um, that's what's really at the bottom of the iceberg. Now, I don't want, neither Cole or I want to dismiss people that have long-term gender dysphoria and use Cole's short-term experience and say, this is what you should do. I, I think Cole's just sharing his story. And I think he's nodding that he's okay with what I said. Yes. But, and maybe you needed to have that experience. I don't invite anybody to have a short-term trans experience, but maybe in your unique mortal journey, you need to work through that as part of your long-term ability to be who you are and really own who you are. I don't look at any of your past, Cole, as black marks on your life. I look at it as just this beautiful journey that you've had that's got you to where you are. And it's a remarkable journey. So I'm going to keep plowing through my points. I love that you, and this gets me really emotionally, slept on your parents' floor multiple for two times for multiple months. Um, and the sign and that makes me love your parents that, and you, because you knew they were a safe place and you talked to them about suicide ideation. You had the courage to open up and your parents and you all were walking this road together to the point that you slept in your parents' room, um, multiple months. And to yeah. me, that's respect for you for wanting to stay alive. Even that's kind of, you know, it's not something most people at your age would do, <laughs> but the courage to say, I want to live and I'm going to do the hard things to live. Even if that includes sleeping on my parents' floor, cause I'm not sure I'm safe. So respect for you, Cole. Thank you. Yeah. My parents, yeah, my, my parents are just, 
amazing, amazing people. And, and I wouldn't have been able to get through this or be where I'm at today if it, if it wasn't for them and their strength. Sometimes they were a strength for me when I didn't have any, <laughs> even though they were, they were also struggling. They, they really, they really showed up for me in a lot of ways. So I love, um, you talk about social media and I wrote down, um, listener, I talk about this a lot. You've got to write your own story. Um, we teach that in the church with Christ. And I think it's fine if you're not feeling straight to listen to multiple people that are also not straight. But at the end of the day, you've got to write your own story with God and you can't listen to social media, write it for you. The influence of social media can be very negative. And it sounds like that was part of your journey is, you know, I was connecting the LGBT community. I had SSA and they were kind of telling me how to do it this way. And I recognized over a period of time that was not healthy for me. And it wasn't true to me. And I thought that was really, even if you're straight and you're responding to a social media and saying, this is how you ought to do it um, in society, sometimes that social media can be pretty perfectionist culture. You don't feel you measure up. You don't, and you've got to have your relationship built on your relationship with God and Christ. And that's the thing that will sustain you long-term. And that's one of the beautiful parts of your story is you kept coming back to that call. Um, and so I thought that was great. Um, I'm almost done with my checklist is, um, um, I can't read my writing there. I love that one of the things I think you taught is that, and I hope we explicitly teach this in the church, is pray even when you don't feel like praying. Pray, pray when you feel really bad about yourself. Pray when you've like not kept your temple covenants and you go, oh no, what have I done? I've gone so far that I'm not even... Nothing you can do can take you outside the love of God. And that is our doctrine. And I will teach, share that from the top of the hills to the bottom of the valleys is that's Satan doesn't win when we first sin. That's a, it's sort of his first step to winning. Satan really wins when he believes that we, he is, we have gone so far that we are now outside of God's love and he doesn't want to hear from us and we're unworthy to pray. And we, and so that shame and self-loathing could lead to further distancing ourselves from God. But I love that you prayed when you didn't feel like praying, maybe. I love that you walked the temple grounds when you didn't have a temple recommend. And I love that you've identified sort of your physical identity from your spiritual identity. No one has ever done that the way you've done it on the podcast. And you talk about you're grounded in your spiritual identity, and that's who you are. And that's really powerful, Cole. And I have great hope for you that you'll marry a, a woman, um, that you'll have children. You've seen this happen for you. And um, so I have great hope for your future. And you're just a remarkable uh, man that's walked a really complicated road. The world's a better place that you're alive and your ability to help people because of the unique story is significantly enhanced. So if more thoughts that come to your mind or anything I've said you're a little uncomfortable with and you just want to clarify, I don't want to like no. say anything that you're not comfortable with. No, I think everything you said pretty much ties it all up. Um, but sort of going back to, to pray when you don't want to um, or when you feel you're not worthy to, um, 
the worthiness part for me has really been a big lesson as well because I have left twice. I've gone through the repentance process twice. And um, this time around, you know, knowing who I am on a spiritual level, you know, I've been able to have experiences during my repentance that I didn't have before. Um, just really remarkable, amazing spiritual experiences. But um, I've experienced a forgiveness from my Savior that I've never experienced before. And I have such a strong testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ that he has felt everything that I have ever felt and ever will feel. Everything that I felt over the last several years, he's felt. And knowing that and having that knowledge is really comforting to me because there is someone that knows my feelings and exactly what I'm going through, no matter what it is. And it's my savior, Jesus Christ. And so I know that I've, he, you know, I was forgiven before and, and, you know, coming back this time around, I, I just, I've been forgiven and, and, and I just, I feel my past has been washed clean and I no longer feel guilty of the things that I did. And that's why I love the church so much and love the atonement so much is because he always welcomes you back, no matter where you've been or where you've gone. You're never too far away from him. He's just there waiting for you with his hand stretched out, um, waiting for you to come back to him. And that's what I felt. I felt him pull me out of the darkness with his hand stretched forth. And I took his hand and allowed him to guide me. And it's totally transformed my life. Um, but letting go of that guilt, letting go of that um, that unworthy feeling um, has allowed me to come to know myself on a spiritual level, has allowed me to be able to separate myself from my natural man, to not identify with that, um, to come to know that very important truth that will lead into the rest of my life. Um, that you know allows me to be able to see myself with a woman, to know that I want to marry a woman so that I can have all of those experiences, to have a temple marriage, to have natural born children to have the family that I want. Um, but really it's truly because I know that I've been forgiven completely for those things and that I'm not, I not defined by them and, um, that I do know who I am on a spiritual level. And so, um, I think that's the most important thing that I, um, want to teach the listeners today from my experiences is that very important truth. Um, but yeah, everything you said was was amazing, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I love this phrase you use, "let go." Um, I think part of the repentance process, listeners, is Christ forgives us, but sometimes we don't forgive ourselves. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the biggest part is not forgiving yourself. But and, that's like the most important lesson that I've learned is. He forgives me. It's me forgiving myself so that I can move forward. Um, but yeah, forgiving myself has, has been the biggest lesson. And um, respect for doing that because I think he wants to forgive. I think he enjoys forgiving. I think it's his greatest gift. I'm talking to the Savior. When we take advantage of it, he rejoices. We're not adding to his burden. He's already paid the price. So if we look at it that way, then I think it's easier to turn to Christ and say, he wants to forgive us. He's paid the price. He rejoices, and we're not adding to his burden. And then I think it's easier to let go. Um, one institute teacher, S. Michael Woke talks, and you don't need this advice, Cole, but maybe a listener does. He talked about pink Mormon thinking, and I guess we call that pink Latter-day Saint thinking. He says, 
well, because I, whatever, I'm going to say in this case, because I've been sexually active before marriage, um, she won't want to marry me or a woman, he won't want to marry me because I'm, you know, with a lot of repenting on my part and a lot of forgiving on the Lord's part, my skin, my sins can get from scarlet to light pink. I'll never be white again. And they undersell the atonement for them. And that can be any sin. And so we have pink Mormon thinking where we think, well, I can never teach the law of chastity lesson because I didn't completely live it as a youth, or I can never teach the word of wisdom because I had a period of time in my where I drank. And to me, that's just pink Mormon thinking. It undersells the atonement. And so for you that have messed up and are thinking of going on a mission, or you that have messed up and are now young woman's um, president thinking, how can I teach this stuff? Don't do that. <laughs> that's pink Mormon thinking. And don't think that you're disqualified from marrying somebody in the temple that perhaps doesn't have the same sins as you. That's just pink Mormon thinking and underselling um, the power of the atonement. And I love you reminded me also, I'm pivoting just a little bit of the of our doctrine that Christ descended below all things. And even though there's no story in the New Testament that's exactly your story, Cole, of Christ helping somebody walking your exactly road, the doctrine is Christ descended below all things, listeners. So he can go where each of us are to reach us and to help us. And the other thing is, I'm pivoting one more time, is some might say, to Cole or to anybody say, well, you're not living your truth. <laughs> if you're, if you, you know, if your physical side has same sex attraction, you're not living your truth. And this is the way you ought to do that. And society has expectations for people. And I, I would invite people not to respond to those outside expectations. Um, you're living your truth, Cole the way you are living your truth. No one gets to define that for you except Cole Connor and your relationship with God and the Savior. So uh, I recognize that that language comes into people's lives sometimes, and it can cause them some distance, some shame, but I think you're spiritually mature to handle that now, but maybe that's for younger people. Um, Don't respond to society's expectations for living your truth. You've got to do that on your own terms and do it when you're your personal best, um, any decisions you have to make about your future, get yourself in the best spiritual foundation you can before you make decisions. So your good stories jog some of those memories for me. But I want to—I'm done talking, listeners. I hope I'm just really moved by Cole and the things he shared. Anything else you'd like to share, Cole, or anything I said you weren't quite comfortable with? Now, again, everything you said is. Um rings true to me and I hope it rings true to the listeners. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm a living example of what I thought living my truth was, wasn't living my truth. <laughs> um, and obviously for a lot of people that looks very different. Um, but where I found my truth was in my savior and in this gospel and coming back to him and being honest and vulnerable with him and allowing him to guide me and to heal my heart and to forgive me and to um and to use me in the way that he would use me and um but it all started with me opening that door to him again and realizing that what i thought was my truth or what i thought 
living my truth looked like wasn't what it really was. Um, and so this is my, this is my truth. This is my identity, um, as who I'm, who I currently am today. Um, and again, I'm using the feelings that, because my feelings haven't gone away. I still have them, but where it's changed and where I, what's different now is I'm not identifying with them. I'm using them for a source of good, for a source of service within, um, the Lord's kingdom and um, upon this earth to his children, knowing that there's people that need to hear what I have to say um, and that I would be doing people a disservice and doing myself a disservice if I didn't share these things. And so it's, you know, now it's changed from, from it, from that being, from that being my truth to it being something that I'm now using to serve my heavenly father and my savior and, and serving other people. Um, and I find when I, when I serve others, when, when I'm focused on other people, when I'm focused on my savior, that it's not so difficult. And when I look outside of myself, that a lot of the power is taken from those feelings that I have. So again, um, I'm currently living my authenticity and, and, and living my life um, as the person that I am, and I know that I will marry a worthy, valiant daughter in the temple, and we'll have a beautiful family, and we'll be able to have all those experiences that I desire, that my Heavenly Father and my Savior want that for me, and that it's not impossible, that I can absolutely have those things despite the feelings that I have, and it's the way that I'm using those feelings and the way that I'm going about it um, and the way that I look at it now, um, is what's, is what's changed everything. So I think that's, that's what I leave with, with everyone. So. Thank you, Cole Connor. Um, we'll end with your powerful words and testimony. And this is Cole Connor and Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm-hmm.